Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In this chapter, we encounter one of the most thorough, dense, and lofty descriptions of God's work in salvation in all of Scripture. Saves sinners because God loves to be praised. Among all the many reasons why God planned to save sinners, why Jesus effectively purchased and saved those sinners in his death on the cross, and why the Holy Spirit powerfully keeps those sinners to the end, among all those reasons, this one reason is ultimate. God loves to be praised. Each time that Christ's church takes communion, remembering and proclaiming that Jesus died in our place, that he endured the full weight of God's wrath for all those who would believe and trust in him. Each time we take the Lord's table and remember that truth, we ought to be thankful for God's unwavering commitment to his own honor. God saves sinners because God loves to be praised. And this is the point that is made repeatedly in Ephesians chapter 1. And so follow along as I read, beginning in verse 5 through 14. God says that he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of, tr of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, again, to the praise of his glory. Everything that we just heard was done for us by God alone to the praise of God's own glory. God predetermined to adopt sinners into his family so that we would praise him for the greatness of his grace. God redeemed and forgave sinners through Jesus' death on the cross so that we would praise him for his great grace. God wisely disclosed his hidden will to bring everything to completion in Christ so that, again, we would praise him for his great grace. In Christ, God made us heirs of a fixed, sure, 
certain inheritance so that we would praise him for his great grace. And God sealed us with his own Holy Spirit, who was given as a pledge of this promised future inheritance, again, so that we would praise him for his great, glorious grace. Every Christian, everyone whom God has saved by his undeserved kindness toward us is a tool, an instrument to one great end, and that is the glorification of God. Because God is committed to being worshiped by mankind, therefore he saved men. And all of you who have been the recipients of that kindness in Christ are thrilled to be used toward that one great end for that singular purpose that God would be worshiped and praised for saving sinners like us. This morning, as we remember Christ's death, we get to rejoice again in the reality that Jesus endured all of God's wrath for us before we were even created, before we were thought of in a human sense, God provided a satisfactory substitute for us. All sins that we have committed past, present, and future have been finally dealt with in Christ. Praise God this morning for that reality. And he has done all of that because before then he was committed to being worshipped. We get to rejoice again in that reality this morning. And this morning, if you are not a believer, if you are not committed to the same thing that God is committed to, his own worship, his own praise, his own glory, if you have refused up until this point to submit yourself to Jesus, insisting on your own way that there's another way you would be found right before God, outside of Christ, other than Christ, then when the men pass out, the packets with a cracker and juice while the rest of us remember Christ, we would just ask that you not partake, don't participate in communion, but do think about where you stand before God. Think about God's own commitment to his glory and what you're committed to instead. Pleasure, disobedience, your own wisdom, your own way. Those things in the end will fail when they meet God's unwavering commitment to himself. And so the call today is to repent of your commitment to things other than what God is committed to, namely his own glory, and come and experience the blessing of knowing Christ as Savior and Lord and King. Those of you who have entrusted yourselves to Christ, who are relying solely on Christ for salvation, then rejoice today as you take the elements. The men are going to come by and they're going to pass out bags with a few packets in them like we've been taking communion. Um, You can uh, try and let them know about how many you need for the, the people in your own family. This is a little bit cumbersome perhaps, but we're trying to just take as many precautions as we can and be reasonable uh, and still participate in the Lord's Supper. So men, please come serve us. When you have uh, the elements, feel free to take on your own when your hearts are prepared. 
and I'll come back up and pray for us.